Hey, 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 hey. Today is a good day. Why is it a good day? We're going to be golfing soon. It looks like in the next few days, bruh, I think this weekend, I just got the news as I'm recording this that we can play golf. And I just got some new golf shoes in the mail, which I am excited about. They are sick. I'm a huge Nike guy. I love Nike. And it shocked me uh, that I bought a pair of Under Armour golf shoes, but they're really nice. I've been chirped by all my friends, though, because they're a little funky looking and they're high cut. So I'm getting chirped by the golf purists out there uh, that I got high cut golf shoes. I love them. Uh, I think they look pretty good. I got, maybe I'll post a picture on uh, Instagram. See what you think. It's, uh, it's definitely a debate. Um, but just with the timing of both of those things, hearing both the news, having the shoes arrive is very great for all of us who enjoy playing golf. And then we're going to have a PGA tour coming up, uh, middle of June. I think the first event is, and then I think we're going to get all the majors as well without any fans. But uh, after seeing that UFC event without any fans, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue with golf. Obviously for the players, it will, it will, it will be different. And, you know, the roars, like nothing beats that, that tiger roar. That makes a Sunday, of course. But uh, I think we're still going to be able to get a ton of value um, from it. And maybe even the camera access might be a little bit different. And then, as I mentioned before, even with the NBA, that uh, the sounds, I think we might be able to pick up some more of the sounds and the conversations that they have. And I know that's always, at least that's my favorite part about it. I love uh, I love all the mic'd up. I love the hard knock shows. I love the behind the scenes stuff that uh, that you're really able to get. So I guess we'll find out soon. But uh, nonetheless, great to get out there. I hope everybody gets a chance to go play golf. Don't swing too hard. I wrecked my back. I've been bedridden for almost four days. <laughs> so I can I don't know how well I'm gonna uh, be able to swing a club. But I just need another excuse in my bag. Uh, but I hope everybody gets out and I'm very happy for all the business owners too, um, that things are turning around. Hopefully that, uh, we're on the upside of all of this and, uh, some small business owners and just local people can start, uh, making money and getting things back to normal. And a big, uh, part of that of course is the golf industry as we all know and love. So, uh, speaking of golf, sports, every single, single thing you can imagine, my next guest uh, that I just recorded with, Arash Madani from Sportsnet, uh, that guy's a wealth of information, man. Uh, just a really cool guy. Shout out to my boy, Albert Landu, Trebla, uh, for linking us up. They're good friends, and uh, they sent me a message and set us up. So, Arash is... Uh, Really great guy. We talked about a bunch of different things. Some of the, of course, the last dance that popped up. Uh, he's a huge tennis fan, talking about um, some of his uh, experiences uh, covering the U.S. Open in New York, the night matches, which are really cool. That might be on my one of my bucket lists. Uh, that's right up there with Augusta. Augusta is obviously number one, but uh, definitely I'd love to see a night match. I just love watching those old Sampras and Agassi games. They were just, they were great. So we talk a little bit about that and then just uh, how he's kind of come up and is, is actually he just wrote a piece based on uh, Mark Cuban um, and he had an interview with him that just uh, that just aired a little while ago with the article that you can see on Sportsnet. I'll post that to my link as well, um, whether Mark Cuban would become president. Who knows? I, nothing would surprise me these days. Nothing would surprise me. 2020 is uh, such an anomaly that, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just the way it's going. So... Enjoy the podcast. I hope you do. I'm sure you will. And uh, feel free to check me out on Instagram, Facebook, Not Enough Mics Podcast. 
And give me a rating if you want on, uh, where is it? Spotify, Apple Music, all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, if that, that helps, gets me up there. Listen, I'm actually it's doing all right. You guys have been absolutely incredible with all the messages and the rankings, and it's <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. So thank you so much. Love all the messages that I'm getting. It's just like uh, you guys are you guys are amazing. So it's been a lot of fun. Anyways, enough about that. Off to uh, the interview here. Peace. Mike, what's up? How you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. All things considering, you know. <laughs> That's it. What time, dude? What's up? Where are you at? I'm in. Uh, I'm in Peterborough. In Peterborough, I got you. Yeah, yeah. You're in Toronto. I'm in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what's what's it like in Peterborough these days? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I've been a hermit big time uh, recently, but now it's, I feel like it's coming around. I can feel like the mood starting to change uh, with everybody. It feels like as the weather's going to get a little warmer, I feel like people are, you know, at Home Depot and Canadian Tire opening now. You know, like the, the wheels are coming wheels yeah. are up a little bit, but I don't know. I just wonder all this progress we made the last two months, if it's going to go down the drain in the next two, three weeks because of everybody coming out of the woodwork. Well, that's what you got to think too. And then you got cottage country and everyone May two for a weekend, come May long weekend. Yeah. That's this weekend, right? That's right. Yeah. So we, we, we know that there's going to be some shakers up at the cottages or people's (laughs) houses, right? Like it's just, it's going to, it's going to happen. So this weekend's going to be a big weekend. Got it. Yeah. Um, Good deal. You want to get this uh, going? Yeah, let's rock and roll. Yeah, and, and again, man, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Albert's an absolute legend. I, lo- I love that guy, old Kingston boy. Um, that so, makes one of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the only one I admit that I I like him because you guys are buddies too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So again, thank you for coming on. So I'm uh, I'm chatting with uh, Arash Madani, uh, Truro's finest. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Mike. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. So, uh, yeah, we're just chatting, and I just want to say thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast and uh, and taking the time during these uh, interesting times. Um, so, I went back and looked through uh, your your speech. So, uh, a late, obviously, congratulations from 2017. Um, the award uh, that you won, the sports award, the sports media award, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then Ivanka Osmak. Gave you said and then uh, was giving your speech and came on and you said uh, in your speech that you got compared to uh, Ahmad Rashad. Do you get compared to, uh, to a lot of different people all the time? No, I wasn't compared to them at all. People just uh, <laughs> you look like them. No, they re- you know they recognize me maybe from television or something, but they don't remember the name, so they just come up with some. <laughs> ethnic sounding name that that pops into their head. I've been called Shy Davidi. I've been called Adman. I've been called Farhan. Uh, someone I was walking down the street. They're like, "Oh, hey, Amir." Um, but then somebody once actually called me Ahmad Rashad. I thought that was. I thought that just took the cake, Mike. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you've been watching uh, The Last Dance. Um... Hey. It's been great, hasn't it? It's been fa- it's been fantastic. Now there's there's so there's so much there. What I, it, there's there's many things that stick out. And is there anything in particular um, that stuck out to you? Well, a few things. I mean, one that's the first time 
Look, we now live in a social media age where, and also beyond social media, HBO 24-7 and Hard Knocks, we get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Uh, we had never had that with Michael Jordan. We had have, we have never had that with that era. So it's one of those things where finally for the first time we're getting a little bit of a sense of who and what he was about. And it's also a very polished varnish sense. I mean, look, MJ's company is involved in it and the rest. Um, but I think what stands out most is it's a reminder that even though a team is winning a pile of games and winning a bunch of championships, we have no idea what goes on back there. And that amidst all this, like any other organization, it can be riddled in dysfunction. And that's what that team was. A lot of them didn't like each other. There was a lot of dysfunction. The star player was an irritant to many of his colleagues, but they won. And all the people remember at the end of the day is your production, whether or not you win or not. Yeah, you're, yeah, you really do. And I, I yeah, you're, you're completely right. The access um to jordan that we're getting like you said it's uh it is it's definitely polished but it's uh i love i do enjoy how candid it is and i love that he's just he's merely just going this is what i did i did it my way and if you don't like it that's okay but that's up to you to judge yeah and look i'm sure there were conditions in which he agreed to do this and what really stands out to me is that we have not and we will not hear or see his wife or his kids involved in this. If we really wanted to know who and what Michael Jordan is, and especially who and what he was in those times, wouldn't it have been great to, uh, to hear from Juanita or one of the kids? Um, But obviously we don't. I mean, look, ultimately this is Jordan's legacy piece. He is letting an entire generation you know, the Gen Zers who, who only heard about him uh, and never saw him and didn't live that era, they're getting a, a tiny glimpse into what that was. And to me, Mike, so much of this is still an exercise about selling shoes. How many more Air Jordans are going to be sold now uh, with, uh, with The Last Dance coming out? I think a bunch. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Everybody that I've talked to that's a... Not even a sneakerhead, but anybody who enjoys shoes, everybody's tried to buy the the, the Jordan ones, and they're sold out everywhere. <laughs> and I, I I couldn't agree more. And like you said too, with uh, about not speaking to his uh, his sons uh, or his wife, and then um, also you look at any of the players that it perhaps didn't work out with. I think they were talking with him and uh, sellers there that you know they they automatically they just got him off the team. There were a lot of guys like that. We talk about how everything went well, but there's a lot of guys they shipped out, didn't they? Yeah, but that's sports. Yeah, that's sports. The, the superstar dictates all. And now look how it's evolved. I mean, now here we are, you know, 25 years later, and every player is a, every star player is effectively a free agent at the end of the year. You know, you think about where Oklahoma City was a year ago, oh, yeah. and they thought they had the building blocks in place with Russell Westbrook and Paul George being the cornerstones. And the next thing you know, Paul George goes to management and says, get me out of here. Not a request, a demand. 
mm-hmm. and send me to LA with Kawhi. So it's, you know, even in a league with a collective bargaining agreement and a salary cap and, and a draft, uh, now in a, in very, in a very short order, the entire landscape of, of the dynamic of the league has changed and every player can, every star player is a free agent effectively, whether or not they're under contract or not. It's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. You, you even see that comparison with, you know, today's age, exactly what you said today's age compared to what Scotty Pippen went through. We, I don't think yeah. we, we would ever see that um, today. If they was paying, uh, what is it? A hundred, if the top 10 guy is paying, getting paid the hundred. Well, and the other thing that's interesting about that is I actually did a uh, zoom call interview for Sportsnet with Mark Cuban last week. I did. I read, that, I read said, that article as well that you did for him. Yeah, and in our conversation, he was talking about the Pippen situation, you know, being so grossly underpaid. You know, top five in production in the NBA and 112th in salary. And he said in those days, if a player wouldn't play while under contract, Pippen held out for half of the season. Mm-hmm. He'd be, you know, criticized by columnists in the newspaper and they talk about with sports radio. But now the noise with social media would be so huge Mm -hmm. to say nothing of the damage it might do to Scotty's personal brand. You know, in those days, MJ had his own shoe, but he was the first and really only to have one. Um, Now every player is a brand and their Instagram following and, and the rest, and they, you know, stars have their personal shoes, etc. That, uh, it was a totally different dynamic then than it is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're bang on there. It really is, uh, there. I want to get to that, uh, your Mark Cuban article here in a moment. Now, what would, would you say that? So obviously Jordan was under immense scrutiny, retired twice because of just the pressure. I think that he, he put it on himself, but also the media, and then you have the media now. Definitely what you said, a lot more social media driven. Which do you think would be more challenging as you've covered almost any sport imaginable? Which sport would you find more challenging? Uh, was it back then? Or do you think it's uh, now for athletes? From what standpoint? Sorry, like, so for, like, let's say Michael Jordan. Do you think he would have a, like, obviously he had the media uh, covering him everywhere. He looked like a boxer going down to a ring everywhere he, everywhere he went. But the social media impact wasn't there. But you had the mainstream yeah. media where, like, let's say a guy in Boston, like Bob Ryan, can write an article, and that has just so much weight. Where now it's almost it's dispersed because of social media, and you're the new age athlete, like let's say LeBron, can almost control the narrative a little bit more because of his social media platform. Yes and no. Um, yes, I think this is in part, and in very small part, why it's hard to compare eras, mm-hmm. just because of how different. Um, things are and things can be, and not just the scrutiny, but how those guys would travel. They're they're traveling commercial flights the next morning. It's not private charters. Uh, how everything from nutrition to sleep to the sports science, all of that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But what we learned about Jordan was just how sensitive he was. Not just because of the Jordan Rules book that Sam Smith wrote. That is you know, extensively outlined in the, the doc. But more than that was his Atlantic City trip during the playoffs before the Knicks game. And Michael was really pissed about that. And he'd gone with his dad. And afterwards, you know, his point was, wait a minute here. 
I give you guys all this access. I'm very accommodating. And this is how you do me. This is, you know, and that's when he really started to distance himself from the media. Well, if, if, if the first time somebody in, in today's age has a, has a camera phone, a camera video pop up on him of what he's doing in his private time. And if he's going to shut it down, then oof, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it'd be an altogether different world, but also Athletes today grew up in this world. Michael didn't. Those cool. athletes in that time didn't. And no athlete now, I wouldn't think, it's hard to think, has the, you know, the, the so-called wholesome image brand that Jordan had of the Be Like Mike of McDonald's and Gatorade and, and Space Jam, um, where, you know, they were, David Falk, his agent, had branded him to be something that he really wasn't. I mean, Michael Jordan was a cigar-smoking gambler who liked to drink. <laughs> we were told that you want to be like Mike because you want to <laughs> say your prayers and take your vitamins just like Hulk Hogan, when in reality, Hulk Hogan was pumping steroids inside himself. So just the way the image of... Uh, celebrity and athletes was then is so different than uh, than it is now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely weighted. He seemed like the first, like real, real. Like obviously, there's been huge uh, athletes, celebrities before them, but he seemed like the first real, real one to hit the mainstream that hard and with that much weight. Especially, yeah, after- I, probably, yeah. probably. Especially after all the because OJ- he was the first. He was the first team athlete to have his own shoe. Yeah. And that's what started. And then came the slam dunk contest. So effectively, they branded him like a tennis player, or like the golfer. You know, tennis players have their own shoes. But then Michael, because of, you know, come fly with me, and because of the dunk contest stuff, uh, just just took on a life of its own. Yeah. Where do you stand in the uh, the 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 goat chat? Where are you? Um, I don't have Jordan number one. <laughs> okay. What do you got? I love it. And mine is mine is off the board that a lot of people don't think about or talk about, especially now because the big man is completely effectively eliminated from the NBA. Wilt or Kareem? Kareem. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a Kareem played five hundred more games than MJ did. Yeah. Kareem played more games than Kobe. Has played more games than LeBron, played more games than Tim Duncan and Shaq, almost double that of Larry Bird. In his age 38, 40, and 41 year, won a championship. In his last year at the age of 42, they got to the finals, lost to Detroit, and that's when LA's backcourt blew out hamstrings in a training camp before the finals started. Ah, that's right. That's right. Won six rings, six MVPs, but more than that, over 1,500 games in 20-plus seasons. This dude averaged 24 and 11. He averaged a double-double that MJ did, mm-hmm. um, that LeBron hasn't, that Kobe didn't, uh, and, you know, on, on we can go there. But more than that, in college, the NCAA outlawed the slam dunk because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Lou Alcindor at the time. That's right. They did not allow the dunk to happen, which is the evolution of why the skyhook started, 
and it became one of the most unstoppable shots in the game. So people talk about LeBron, they talk about Michael, they talk about Kobe. Uh, mine's, mine's off the board. I go with Kareem. I find the numbers, the longevity. He's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He's got the rings. He's got the MVP. And he won three national championships in college. And the only reason he probably didn't win four is because in those days, freshmen were ineligible to play. And so he was on the JV team at UCLA. And at the time, UCLA was the number one team in the country. They played an intra-squad game on campus. And the JV team kicked the shit out of the varsity team. So the varsity team is the number one team in the country, but they're the number two team on campus. Led by Lou Alcindor, and as the story goes, John Wooden, the legendary coach, came in the locker room after that game, after the varsity team got their got their butt kicked, and he looked around the locker room and he said, well, fellas, I guess we're going to be pretty good next year. <laughs> That's right, eh? That's right. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think it's a great debate, and I don't think Kareem gets enough love. Um, I have Jordan at number one. But you can make an argument, and that's what I love about it, that this is really bringing to light, for a lot of new fans, the, bringing to light not just Jordan, but just the, the fact that, like, let's call it, these players were amazing. Just because Kareem was, uh, played uh, throughout the 70s, 60s, 70s, um, doesn't mean that he is not a legend. You know, I liken it to, let's say, a Lamborghini from the 60s. And then you have a 2020 Lamborghini. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. So, so what's the value weighted on there? So it's always a fun. What about your uh, What about your Rushmore as far as uh, hoops? Who, like who would be? I know Rushmore's four. What would be your starting five? Uh, that's a good one. I think my starting point guard has to be Magic, just because he revolutionized the position. Never before was there even a thought of a six foot nine, um, six foot nine point guard. Yeah. Um, Kobe and uh, Kobe and LeBron are my two and my three. It's hard to, again, it's hard to compare eras. Like, I didn't see Will Chamberlain play, and I didn't see Bill Russell play. And it's so hard to keep Tim Duncan off of it. I know. But I'm going off the board here because I look at today's NBA, and my Mount Rushmore for my for my four-man is actually the guy who revolutionized the position. Because today, the big man doesn't matter. But Dirk Nowitzki was the first stretch four that I can really remember. The first, you know, 6'11", 7-footer who could run the floor the way he did, who could shoot it the way he did. And he, and now everybody wants a stretch four. The stretch four might be as valuable a position as any, any other on the floor. And Dirk's got a championship to boot and won a championship while playing during the Kobe Shaq era and during the Tim Duncan era, Tim Duncan Spurs era with, yeah. you know, Parker Ginobili and the rest. And during, and they beat LeBron, LeBron, Bosch, and D Wade. Yeah. So sandwiched in, you know, three different dynasties, Dirk was still able to get his. So my, and, and he also represents what the NBA has become, which is very international. 
So he gets, he's on my Mount Rushmore and then Jabbar's the fifth. I love it. I love, I'm sensing a little bit of a, a Lakers theme. You're a Lakers guy, aren't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Showtime Lakers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's just, I, when I get so nostalgic, I almost get goosebumps every time going back and watching all these clips. I've gone back and watched a ton of games. A lot of the Lakers. I, I rewatched the Lakers uh, Bulls finals from there. But you're right with uh, it's interesting. I love hearing different people's Rushmore. I I love I love lists. You can get so much from lists, and you can learn so much uh, about somebody and their topics. But Dirk, um, you're right. Revolutionized the game, as, and definitely as far as international goes. And then speaking of revolutionized, uh, the I guess the owners forum is Mark Cuban. You wrote an article about Mark Cuban potentially uh, running for president. What's the likelihood that you think that could ever happen? Well, he actually admitted that he wanted to run in uh, this fall, but that his family, you know, he said it's going to be a family decision. That's right. And it was the family that said, no, let's, let's not go down that road. And, you know, he's married with three kids living in, uh, living in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. So he said, if, if the family's okay with it, I want to give it a run. And he said, I'm not going to run as a Democrat or Republican. I'm going to run as an independent. And part of that reason is he's just so tired of all the noise and the mudslinging and the back and forth that's going on from both sides. You know, Pelosi and McConnell and McCarthy and Trump and Schumer. And, you know, he's just looking at the world today and he said, we're not getting clarity, we're not getting leadership, we're not getting candor, we're not getting honesty, we're not getting transparency. So he said he wants to be kind of that authentic voice. Now, the irony, if he does run, is that Mark Cuban actually bought the Mavericks from Ross Perot, Hmm. who, of course, ran in 1992 as an independent. And now Cuban's franchise is worth a billion dollars more than he bought it for off Perot. Um, but, uh, But wouldn't it be something if he did? And... Shoot, we now live in an age where a reality TV star can be president, so I'd be intrigued to see how America would react to that and, it, and you know, how the Republicans would react to that. Yeah, nothing would surprise me <laughs> these days. Uh, yeah, nothing would surprise me. I remember bet, I always said I would have bet uh, all, my, all my money that Trump wouldn't become president and here we are. Right. Uh, but not, not, not about Trump. We don't need to talk about that. We'll steer, we'll steer wide away from that. Uh, but it would be, it would be fascinating, but I could completely agree. If you're the kids of uh, your parents running for president, you just know the scrutiny that you're going to come under. And I'm, you know, you look at the guy like the rock, you know, people are or LeBron potentially running for president some year. And is it, you don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Not that I have the the uh, the option of it though. <laughs> so right. you're a big um, tennis guy as well. Is yeah, that, is that correct? Um, yeah. What's uh? So you which have you covered the U.S. Open um, in New York? I have. You have. As, where, where would you put sports? Where would you put that tennis as far as your love or um, for as far as where your sports rank? Um, as a fan, I would say football is one and tennis and hoops are tied for two. Okay. Okay. So tennis is right up there. Yes. Okay. And I would say that of all the events that I've covered and attended, uh, if you want Mount Rushmore of sport, if you're a sports fan, yeah, I would tell you that the Mount Rushmore would be 
Night match? Uh, going, to, going to Wimbledon. Okay. Going to Augusta National, and I would recommend going to the Masters for a practice round, not for the actual tournament. Guys are so much more relaxed. They're interacting with the crowd. You can bring your phone and take some pictures, but you can't during the regular round. Right. But just walking that course in Amen Corner, it's it's a, it's a real neat deal. Um, if you like football, mm-hmm. and if you like pageantry and tradition, I would highly recommend going to an LSU-Alabama game. And I've been to both Baton Rouge and Tuscaloosa as a fan, okay. and they're both just awesome, especially under the light. I've never been to a uh, college uh, football game. Never been. Oh, it's outstanding. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go. And on my bucket list that I still haven't done, yeah. I have not been to Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, Yes. And I would love to go to a Duke Carolina game with Cameron Indoor. That is high up on the list uh, for 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 me as well. That would just be absolute. I'm a huge Tar Heels fan, uh, but I'd like to go to Cameron Indoor uh, rather than rather than Chapel Hill, just uh, clearly for the environment. Um, sure. So you've had an opportunity to see some of those night matches in uh, in New York. Then what's that like? It, there's an electricity to it. Um, the, the year I was there, uh, we were covering, you know, the Canadians and whatever, but mm-hmm. then, uh, they played during the day. We had a night off. So we actually, my camera guy and I went back in the evening, uh, used our credentials to get in and just kind of sat and got a beer and Roger Federer was playing under the lights yeah. and it was something, uh, there it's, it's actually a football or a basketball crowd and under the lights of the open is an, is an awesome experience, especially if you're going to get a real star playing. Um, or if an underdog American is making some kind of run That's right. and, and battling with what was one of the top players. in the game. Yeah. Like that Roddick. I remember that Roddick run uh, that he went through was just absolutely electric there. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, I, got, I, I have Andre Agassi as my, uh, my all timer. Where do you, uh, who, who do you have as your all timer? Yeah, again, it's hard to compare eras. I was actually yeah. watching part of an Agassi-Sampras match the other day, and I was like, man, those guys felt to me like they were on another level, but now you watch it compared to today's game. And obviously the technology has changed, the racket technology has changed, uh, the sports science has changed the rest. It just felt like that I was watching it at 70% speed <laughs> compared to today's game. I mean, the way, the way Nadal and Novak just pound the ball is is wild so to me it's Djokovic and Nadal or Nadal and Djokovic but I think Novak's still still the best to do it yeah. I know Federer has the longevity and he has a few more slams but if you look especially in the early stages of Federer's career and I mean you can only beat who you play uh, but some of the uh some of his opponents that he faced in uh, that he faced in major championship uh, championship finals are you know leave leave a lot to behold. I mean, Mark Filipusis, Murat Safin, Baghdadis, Fernando Gonzalez, Robin Soderling. I mean, these are the type of players that he beat in finals. Uh, Novak and Rafa had to beat Roger. They had to beat each other. They had to beat Andy Murray. Uh, the, the level of competition has has changed dramatically since. 
That's right. I haven't heard Baghdadis in a long time. He's the guy who went before he served. He'd put it between his legs, right? Oh, he did a little bit of everything. Yeah, he did a little bit. So you've had the opportunity to uh, do a lot of really cool things. Like you've covered the Olympics, Super Bowl, World Series. You know, you're talking about the Masters, NBA Finals. Clearly, those are all amazing things. And a lot of the research I was doing on you, that you work your ass off. Um, yeah. You're, one of the, you're the hardest working guy in the room. What's, what's been, uh, like through your journey, what's been the best part of your job? What have you enjoyed the most of it? Um, I love telling stories. Um, I love telling good stories. I love going to big events and uh, the energy of them there. Yes. Um, I. It's great going to. It's great going to a major event and finding a story that nobody else is going to tell, and then something that's that's unique to the market. Um, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, um, the Mayweather McGregor fight. Or maybe maybe it was Mayweather Pacquiao. I think it was Mayweather Pacquiao actually. Um, found out, not only found out, but tracked down a Canadian kid from Peterborough. Okay, I believe Cody Crowley is his name. Um, Cody was one of uh, Mayweather's training partners in the lead up to the fight against Pacquiao, as a lefty and. Uh, had, had faced some common opponents. And so, yeah, Floyd recruited him to help him prepare for what ended up being the richest fight, uh, richest bo- all-boxing fight in the history of the game. And so, you know, Floyd would call him in the middle of the night, and they'd go out there and, and train. And it was part of that whole eight-week training camp. Right. And... Um, so not only did we go down there where the whole world was kind of all their eyes were, but we found somebody that, that helped Floyd train and prepare. We met up with him in his gym. We talked to him and his coach. Uh, we got some photos of the, of the two of them together from uh, when they did that. And, uh, you know, as a, Cana- as a Canadian, um, that was something that we wrote about and we did a, we did a feature for, uh, for Sportsnet Central. Right. So. Um, it's being able to go and do stories like that when everybody's when everybody's doing the same story and you can find a neat angle that works. Um, I really enjoy that part of it too. I can just imagine, yeah, that's that's fantastic. So, what's do you have a do you have a certain process or do things pop up? Like, what's what's your process when you're going to an event like this to find that story? Obviously, there's a variety of uh, tangibles there, but what what what's your process? Yeah, it, it's. Different ways to skin a cat. I mean, everyone is different. Yeah. Uh, so, it, just, it just all depends on the assignment. It all depends. I mean, the last big assignment I had before the world came to an end, the Super Bowl. Right. And so I'll give you the process of that one. So one of the features that I wanted to do, you know, we're down there for the whole week, mm-hmm. is on Laurent Duvarney-Tardif, starting right guard for Kansas City, who's not only from suburban Montreal, but he's a doctor. Uh, McGill Med School was going back and forth in his early days after Casey drafted him to finish his medicine medicine degree, medical degree. So not only is Laurent a McGill guy in the NFL, which is wild enough, and not only is he a doctor, but one of the team doctors for Kansas City, (laughs) J.P. Darsh, played in the NFL for Casey in Seattle, but J.P. Played at McGill and is also a doctor. Oh wow! 
And part of the reason Kansas City embraced Laurent doing this is that Andy Reid's mother, Elizabeth Leone, was one of the first women to graduate from McGill's Med School back in God knows when. I think it was in the 40s. Wow. So the process there was, okay, we'll get Laurent at Media Day at the Super Bowl, but let's track down JP. Let's get some visuals of JP, you know, in the in his hospital gear. Let's do it. Let's get an interview done with JP. Let's track down any photos, if there are some, of Andy Reid's mom. And dealing with McGill's medical school and their archives, we actually got a, from the yearbook from that year, um, not only her photo, but her little blurb that she wrote beside it. Um, we spoke with the offensive line coach in Kansas City. We got Andy Reid himself. Uh, and we, from McGill's uh, Sports Information Office, we also tracked down photos of Laurent as a player at McGill and some videos of him uh, at the hospital doing his rounds, whatever, during his residency. So before we even touched down in Miami, we were armed with a ton of stuff that's going to help this story because it's one thing to do a five minute feature, but we also have to cover it. We have to cover it with visuals and videos and, uh, and still photos and the rest. So it's one thing to be able to tell the story. It's another thing to be able to tell it with some visuals. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that, that all goes into it too. That's really cool. That's really cool. And that's why, uh, that's why you're one of the best in the business, man. That's why you're, Winning these the sports uh, media awards with the likes of Rod Black, Rod Smith, Cuthbert, and uh, that's why you're fantastic, man. That's a really uh, uh, I appreciate a, it. Yeah, you got it. That's a really great uh, story. Far from uh, car crash or ash, right? There you go. <laughs> that's great, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, and sharing uh, stories, your Rushmores, your process into everything you're doing, um, and really uh, and taking the time, man. I really appreciate that. Mike, no problem. Happy to be with you. And don't forget that when people bring up the goat conversation in basketball, okay, mind, remind them about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, will I, you? I will. I'm happy to because I'm a bit of a I'm biased with Jordan, but I love hearing the angles. I love having the conversation, and and the argument is fantastic for Kareem. It's it's tough not to say uh, he might be, but he's number two. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. I appreciate the time, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, you, thanks, brother. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was Arash Madani. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Stay tuned. We got part five of five coming up of The Last Dance Running Diary. Uh, it's going to be released on Monday. And a few other great things leading up to this. Uh, one of the professionals at Cabot Cliffs Golf Course. And uh, find out what's going on out there. At, uh, Canada's number one golf course, where I worked, actually, for last year. Um, and as well as number ninth ranked in the world. Pretty cool stuff. So looking forward to that, chatting with him a little bit later to get ready for that, but uh, you'll find that sometime next week. Talk to you soon. Peace.